This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. I have been extremely lucky on my journey with this podcast to chat with some really amazing people. And new people come to the podcast every week to listen. And so what we want to do with these lessons is take the little golden nuggets, the really important pieces of each conversation and bring them back to life for you. So hopefully it can change your mind, affect the way you think, or potentially give you a solution to a problem you're facing right now. There's a standard journey that we built really out of Harvard in the 1960s and 70s, which is the marketing sequence, right? I structure all my courses that way and I do my consulting that way. It's probably the best way to do it. Uh, and it's kind of a train. I, I used to teach it as a train track, right? In the sense that the train has to go from the start to the end and the end is shitloads of cash station. And it has to go through a series of stations. And the first station is market orientation. That's where marketing begins. Market orientation is an incredible mind fuck. And so what ma- market orientation is, is the realization that you are not the customer. You will never be the customer. The minute you sign your contract to join a company, you'll never be able to see what your product or service or advertising looks like. You can't listen to your podcast and ever appreciate it as a listener would because you produce it. Once you know that, you're market-oriented. Most Australian marketers don't know that. They look at their ads and respond to them in terms of what they think, whether it's good or bad. You have no opinion. You need to have cold blood in your veins to do proper marketing, right? So stage one is, I know, I know nothing. Literally, you sort of have to break down a marketer. When you do that, stage two is obvious. It's research. We do research because we don't know anything. Yeah? Qual and quant research builds a picture of the market, the customer, how they decide what they want, what they don't want, what the segments are. We, you know, we understand and structure them. We build a map of the market. Right? Often people say, oh, customers don't know what they want. They definitely don't know what they want, but they'll tell you a whole bunch of shit can guide you towards building what they want. Right? So when we finish our research, we can segment the market. Segmentation has got nothing to do with the company. It's about the market. I've just spent the morning working for an uh, accounting firm doing a segmentation for them. One of the things I said to them is, if your competitor on the other side of the street was doing this, they should, in theory, come up with the same segmentation. We're all looking at the mountain. We're not climbing it yet. You know what I mean? So you build a good segmentation of the whole market, not just who you want to target, the whole market, and now you're ready for strategy. Targeting is who do we want to go after among those segments. Positioning then is how do I want to position my product or service to that target segment and what objectives do I have? So that's the strategy piece. And then so positioning is in relation to competitors? Partly. Positioning is in relation to three things. It's called the three C's. When you position anything, you position, first of all, to customer. What does a customer really want? That's, the, that's, that's your North Star, right? What do they really want, right? When I launched Mini MBA, what they really wanted was confidence, right? Position on confidence. But you also talk to customers because they tell you who the competition is. We don't know who the competition is, right? When you talk to customers, they'll tell you. They won't use the competition word. They'll, they'll talk about alternatives. And what, what's fascinating is most companies don't know who their competitors are because it changes with each different segment. And they're often not the companies that the company thinks they're competing with. So yeah, your positioning is who you're going after, what do they want? Who are the competition alternatives? How do we position against them? And then finally, the company see. 
what do we offer? Can we deliver on this? You know what I mean? Is it possible? And a lot of the problems with brand purposes, the companies doing it aren't legitimate, right? So I'm looking for the things that the customer wants that I can deliver better than or different from the competition. Yeah? If I can find two or three of those things, I'm going to make some money. And, and the overlay is what they say the value proposition is? Here's where it gets my practical knowledge beats the marketing vocabulary. Positioning is what a business school professor would call it. Consultants might call it a value proposition, brand attributes, brand DNA, uh, brand associations, brand character. It all means the same fucking thing. And one of the things I do with my clients is I say, I don't care what you call it. Call it magic moonbeams, but you've got three brain cells in your target customer's head. What are the three things you want to drop into their head? But don't give me, as every client that's bad has, a brand personality, a brand purpose, brand character, a value proposition, brand flavor, tone of voice. They have these giant decks and it becomes like throwing shit against a wall and nothing will stick. Tightness. You know, I've, I've done the brand positioning of many billion dollar brands globally. I did Sephora with the team, for example, in France. We got it down to four things, yeah? If we can get a $10 billion company down to four things, you can do it with most brands. Four is a m much harder than 20. So a good position is pretty tight. Yeah? So if I've got my targets and my position and then a few clear objectives about either driving awareness or repeat purchase or consideration, I got myself a strategy. Do you think, like, you know, what we're talking about now is the you called it a sequence and you're mm -hmm. right, 100%. You know, we are a podcast agency now we sit down with customers and we go we're going to take you through this sequence and so on but but i find that and and i'd love to get your opinion because you would have seen both of the sides but companies use this wrong and it's kind of what you were saying before where it's like there's all this fluff and you need the fluff but you shouldn't use it right like it's the process of getting yeah. to the you know like you kind of talked about those two or three things and it's really about identifying those you're right. The process becomes God at some point. And what we get is the McKinsey Bain systematic but empty approach, right? Where all we're doing is ticking box. Positioning is the perfect example. Most brands have a brand positioning book, yeah, or presentation, which has seven or 10 slides with at least 45 words in it because the marketers think they're doing the right thing because they followed the process. Or oh, you've got a brand purpose, I'll have that too. Or you've got a value proposition, I'll add that as well. When in reality, the purpose is working against the whole point of positioning, which is when, what is the point of positioning? It's not an end in itself. The point of positioning is what I get my customer to think, what I want them to think when they think about my brand. Done. But you've got to be 55, have a PhD, 100 years of experience to have the confidence to go, no, we don't need all that shit. doesn't matter what you call it. Tight. Let's work on that. And then let's move move forward to your point. It's easy for me to say it now. At this end of my career, you know, you don't have the confidence in the early stages to go, ooh, I think we should probably have this as well. So you end up doing too much. Strategy, ultimately, remember, is what we don't do. It's about making choices. So less is definitely always more. You yeah. Know? And, and obviously with the sequence as well, getting the first part wrong, you know, you talked about orientation. You got it will almost ever you know inevitably kind of you know doesn't matter whether you're at sequence the part of the sequence seven if you get the first one wrong you got it you're you fucked you're fucked and, and i i teach i have a marketing exam at the end of the mini mba in marketing where you have to build a brand a marketing plan for a fictional company and the first 
part of the exam is to build a segmentation. And I say to them, it's only worth 20% of the exam, but also if you fuck it up, you're going to get zero for the rest of the exam. See what I mean? And they go, well, that's not fair. And I go, no, that's exactly what it's like. Do you think, like, and this is just me, I mean, you're going to, I think you're going to understand this and, and have the, the data and the research there. Uh, and we're probably going to get more into this a little bit later on as well, but, like, removing the product Mm. from mind at the very beginning you know orientation yes just getting rid of it yes and then do you think that helps a lot because I've found that since I've started to do that even just with people we're building podcasts for is like you know because like you know we might be working with a corporate company and they've got this product and then they think they attach themselves to this product yes. instead of just going what am I, what's my customer going to what are they interested you're in totally right in theory the marketing process doesn't if you notice we haven't mentioned product yet see what I mean so in theory, this process, we haven't even, product comes next, next down the line. In theory, at least, what we should be doing is starting with the market and the need. Now, in practice, that doesn't happen. I think in a 100 gigs, one of them, I didn't have a product to begin with, right? You always end up with a product from Switzerland, or it's already done, right? Or it's year two when we're moving around. But the ability, to, to your point, to drop it and put it down and look at the customers, because ultimately, the thing that, you know, when you do that market orientation switch, the, the biggest lesson of all is no one gives a fuck about your brand, right? You do because you work on it for eight hours a day and it's your pension and it's your success and it's your ego. But it's just a fucking toothpaste, man, to everyone else, right? Amazingly, marketers are blown away by that, yeah? So the thing you get more than anything else from market orientation is you don't fucking matter and no one remembers you, yeah? So if you look at how branding has changed in the last 10 years, the biggest discovery is salience. And salience simply means, does my brand come to mind when you need it in a buying situation? Every marketer who isn't market-oriented, well, of course, you know, our brand's super famous, thinks, yeah, because they, they're assuming everyone's like them and they spend eight hours a day working in the brand. What you learn from market orientation is, nah, if you aren't continually reinforcing it, and aiming for salience all the time, you will lose out tremendously. And it's even worse than that. Most of the research now tells us B2B, B2C, doesn't matter. If your brand pops into a head of a customer first, they will rationalize reasons why it's the one to buy. So, you know, when I used to teach brand management, it was have brand awareness, gateway variable, the consumer knows I exist. Now, what do I stand for? This is the important bit, right? It's the wrong way around. Most of it, the reptile brain is which brand comes to mind. Now I'm going to fucking make up a whole bunch of reasons why I'm going to buy that when it's just mostly brute salience driving the purchase. And that's a very big change in how we do things. And it changes how marketers should do things. Most marketers are too uh, risk averse. You know, they're too worried about, oh, this might not be right for my brand. The image might be wrong. And it's like, listen, it doesn't really matter that much. Most important thing is, it's me, it's me. Hey, 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 it's me again. Hey, 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 it's me. I mean, I've done atrocious things in my career, right, to get fame and, and build my brand. I wrote an article about my ass and got influencers to say it was a work of art, yeah, to demonstrate how influence marketing was a lot of bullshit with a big picture of my ass in the, in the article, you know. I've done a talk about um, brand measurement where I've discussed measuring penises as a metaphor for it. Both of these things went down incredibly badly, by the way, right? And do I regret doing them? Probably. 
But the single goal I have is trade on taste, trade on perfection in order to be, it's me, it's me, notice me, it's me. Because I know that's how the game is played. You know what I mean? Mm. First, they must know it's you. If they don't know that, everything's off. So your point about, you know, put down the product is key to partly get the right orientation, but also because it enables you to realize, oh, my product isn't that important. It isn't the center of my customer's world. That's a great place to start marketing, you know.